Starting, scaling, and building a sustainable business is a grind. A roller coaster of ups and downs. So how do you improve your chances of success or figure out where to even start? Join me as I chat with leading entrepreneurs, venture capitalists, and analysts and reporters who share their wisdom and lessons to inspire us all. And maybe, just maybe, even make our own journeys a little easier. I'm Matt Burns, and you're listening to Founders, Funders, and Followers. Welcome to Founders, Funders, and Followers. Once again, I'm your host, Matt Burns. Joining us today, very exciting guest, Brian Gormley, who covers venture capital and healthcare for the Wall Street Journal. Uh, those of you who don't follow Brian already, uh, he's been with uh, Dow Jones in the Journal for going on almost 17 years now. Brian, I think, and I'll pick on him here in a minute, I think he's a Boston guy, undergrad at UMass Amherst, and then got his master's in journalism at Boston University. Brian, uh, thanks a lot for joining us here on Founders, Funders, and Followers. Appreciate having you here today. Thanks, thanks for having me. Enjoy. Hey, so Brian, uh, let's jump right in here. How does Brian Gormley, uh, first of all, I assume you're a Boston guy. Is that, is that right? Yes. Boston area, yes. So Brian was born in Boston or raised in Boston, went to school in Boston, as I noted. How does Brian Gormley end up at the Wall Street Journal? Tell, can you tell our listeners a little bit about kind of your, your pathway? Sure. I uh, started my career writing about community journalism, um, local newspapers in the Boston area, and covering all kinds of uh, school, fire, police. Uh, but I got interested in business, started writing for the business page um, at newspapers, and uh, then I worked work for a, a publishing company that published private equity newsletters, venture capital newsletters, and that company was acquired by Dow Jones, which is the publisher of the Wall Street Journal. Got it. And so... Um... Probably have seen a fair amount over your over your career. You want to talk a little bit about um, you know some of our listeners are probably better versed in the journalism industry than others. Um, how's it How's it evolved? How is uh, How's your work evolved, if at all, uh, over the past you know fifteen sixteen years? I, I would say there's just uh, more emphasis on news being uh, being produced in real time and uh, alerts being sent out when breaking news happens and be. It's just more immediacy to news than ever before, so I think that's probably been one of the big changes. So what are you? So what are you typically? You know what I hear from a lot of journalists is, you know, I used to have to do two, three pieces a week. Now they're expecting you know a piece every day or two pieces every day. Or um, are you pretty consistent in how how often you're you're publishing? Yes, yeah, so I'm writing about uh, healthcare and venture capital. I'm every week uh, at least. Uh, couple of stories a week and uh, i've been pretty consistent with that um we're recovering breaking news we're covering trends we're covering uh in industry industry news so uh we're, we're pretty consistent with our publishing schedule so tell me tell me a little bit about um you must get inundated with pitches from from people like me doing communications or working at companies trying to uh, you know, one of the things I most often hear, Brian, is is, is from clients um, who say, you know, you know, before we do the the Series A round, we just really need the the Wall Street Journal to to cover us. That will really make a, a huge difference from our company. And so, I have no doubt that you're you're inundated with uh, people looking for that sort of uh, engagement from you to to write about their technology or their companies. How do you how do you go about discerning 
the, you know, how do you pick through the volume of stuff that you're getting to find the things that your, 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 your readers are really going to, to pay attention to and find value in? I, I always have some, some ideas in mind uh, for themes that I'm trying to cover. And so I do look for companies and investors who are in those areas that, uh, where I've kind of already, uh, stories in progress. That's, that's one way. And also I'm just generally, uh, looking through the uh, vast number of companies that are being formed and being funded and trying to find ones that seem to be, uh, challenging the status quo and, uh, trying to learn about them and seeing what story angles I can develop about them. Um, but there's been a growing number of companies have been funded and founded over the past few years. And so it's just, uh, ever more, uh, ever more companies to learn about and investors to, uh, to uh, prod about those companies. Yeah. So, you know, to, to borrow sort of a, an analogy here, um, they often say in horse racing, you, you bet on, you know, the jockey, not the horse. So is there something to be said about that in venture capital as well? When, when you're thinking about what you're covering, are you, is it really the, the, the merits of the, the individual idea that you're, that you think and find compelling that, that warrants the coverage or, or do you find it be a combination of, Hey, really great idea. Plus, you know, impressive, impressive set of uh, a syndicate almost, if you will, behind them and thus um, makes it more likelihood for them to, to sort of have success and advance their technologies. How do you think about it? Certainly, uh, you know, an innovative idea combined with high-profile investors uh, gets, gets everyone's attention. But uh, in, any, in any of those cases, uh, all of that has to go through the same amount of scrutiny, validation. Uh, those, those companies, uh, they face challenges, too. They can, they can um, face their own set of hurdles. So um, that's part of it. That's part of the evaluation. But... I think you have to keep an open mind while looking at any kind of company um, and uh, the idea that they're pursuing and the investors that have supported them in the market they're, they're trying to address. You alluded to cool. um, a moment ago that, uh, you know, there's more companies, there's more people raising money, there are more things going on. Just curious, you know, that's obviously been a trend. Are you seeing any, any cooling of that uh, with, you know, in the last, say, 12 months? Uh, what, what's sort of your view on the macro for, for people who are looking to start companies and, and those following them, uh, or those funding them rather? It seems that, uh, the activity at the very early stages seems to be going, uh, along pretty well. I think funding seems to be easier to raise at the, uh, startup stage, maybe series A rounds, first round of venture capital. The, uh, more challenging rounds have been in the middle, the, Series B, C, and D, those are the companies that uh, have had a harder time raising money nowadays, especially if they're in between significant milestones. So uh, there has been um, certainly a, a significant cooling off of the market, and companies are uh, trying to reinvent themselves in some cases, and, and oftentimes they're cutting back on their staff, they're cutting back on their drug development programs, and what's emerging is a, a leader group of companies uh, that have survived this kind of tighter financing climate. So you think that, you know, you think that sort of subsides at some point and this is a snapshot in time, or do we think this is a kind of a maturing landscape where we'll see, you know, kind of historically industries mature, they consolidate and there are fewer players. Do you think it's still, uh, cause we went through a period kind of, kind of feels like the wild west where everybody was raising capital. Everybody had a platform technology. Everybody was tackling something. Um, 
what do you think if you opened your crystal ball and took a look, what do you think 12, 18 months from now, are we going to be going back to a much more aggressive posture on raising? Or do you think there'll be a consolidation with, into some larger companies with the technologies that have been developed? I think there will be more consolidation, at least in the near term, of companies. And um, that's, uh, that's a cycle that plays out um, over, over time. There's, there's boom and bust periods, and, and uh, it happens every summer, every, every, every so often, where there's a large run-up investment, uh, followed by a uh, consolidation that happens after the market tightens. And I think we'll, we'll see more of that for foreseeable future, but I would imagine that uh, interest rate fears start to ease. We'll start to see more risk capital coming into the market and venture investment will become, will come, become easier to come by for a lot of companies. Uh, I, don't, can't, I can't say I know exactly when that's going to happen, but I, I think it will. I think we will see a rebound. So what do you, uh, you know, as you're covering the industry, right? Um, what do you, what do you write the most about for those who don't follow you? Um, what do you write the most about? Are there particular companies? I know it's life sciences, but are there particular okay. areas that really you find just compelling and you, you just love diving in deep, you love covering them. You really consider yourself, uh, really entrenched in it. What, what's, uh, what's Brian mm-hmm. find interesting to cover? I've been writing a lot about biotechnology and digital health, uh, medical devices, uh, medical technology. I probably spend most of my time on biotechnology companies. And uh, I do write about uh, companies that are getting funded. Um, I seek out uh, trends in companies um, that are getting founded and exploring new areas of biology and therapeutics. I'm also writing a lot about the venture capital firms as they're raising funds that are blowing capital, uh, hiring new partners, um, and doing that uh, right across across the uh, landscape of uh, biotechnology, digital health, medical devices, uh, and some extent healthcare services as well. So we talked a little bit, and the, you know, to kind of build on that, we talked a little bit about you know from the perspective of of the founders what they're seeing here that. You know, that series, series, uh, seed series, A series, still plenty of uh, investment being made in those if you're a founder. Um, what about the funds? Um, what are you hearing from funds? I mean, clearly they've had a lot on their books uh, during this kind of boom period. What's what's the general consensus? Uh, what are you feeling from them when you when you speak with them about how their portfolios are performing? And uh, um, just kind of curious what the, the general consensus is that you're hearing from them. Mm-hmm. Well, venture capital funds have been raising uh, record record amounts of money in healthcare, so there is a lot of money to be deployed. But companies, or I should say, venture funds have uh, their own portfolios that they have to manage. They have to allocate more capital to their best companies. They have to decide which of their companies in their portfolios uh, mirror further investment, and they have the ability to be pretty selective in the investments they're making now. And while there is a lot of dry powder to be deployed, I think companies in venture firms are going to be selective about how they put that capital to work. And it will get will get invested at some some point, but uh, it's not going to be uh, spread out quite as uh, widely as it was during the boom years of 2020, 2021. Now, what are you, speaking from a domestic standpoint, U.S. domestic standpoint, and in the, the VCs themselves, what are we seeing in terms of 
domestic uh, VC funds primarily investing versus uh, what are we seeing internationally? Are you seeing any difference in terms of how many entrants or participants in that? Do you see uh, an expansion of that sort of global investment in U.S. companies? And then also corollary there, uh, you know, sort of the international companies looking for attention in the U.S. I mean, what's any, any, any particular trends you're noting there as far as investment? Um, well, there's certainly global investors that are coming into U.S. companies. Constantly. Um, mm-hmm. Constantly. Sovereign wealth funds sure. and were, have been a big uh, source of capital for startup companies, uh, especially during the boom years. Um, Europe has uh, a lively um, biotechnology industry. Uh, there's a few more venture capital funds there, but it's still a, a source of uh, great investment opportunity for investors in Europe and some in the, United, in the United States who travel to Europe to fund some of the most promising companies there. Um, you do see some companies that are starting in Europe, go public in the United States to gain additional visibility. Um, so I, I would say that the biotechnology industry in particular has become uh, increasingly global. Um, and that's a trend that's only going to continue to uh, increase, I think. So you think there's an advantage... Um... Uh, I guess, you know, it's really, it's such a wide landscape. You think it's more difficult as an international company to grab, capture that U.S. attention without U.S. operations? Is that, you think there's an inherent advantage still um, now that it's sort of, you know, sort of global um, biotechnology okay. community coming together, but you still think there's a lot of upshot in having domestic U.S. operations um, to, to garner that attention you're looking for with the new technology? I think. It seems to help. It seems to help because more investors are physically located here. If they can, they can visit companies easily. Um, but there, you know, there are um, there are a group of investors that are looking globally. They'll find the best opportunities wherever they, wherever they can, um, with it, wherever they are, are propping up. And um, those those companies will have to kind of search out those investors who are willing to go wherever the opportunities are arising. Other venture firms are really focus more locally um, and they're going to consider something that's in the United States or perhaps even in their backyard. So. And, and that, um, that sort of geopolitical landscape continues to play out as well, seemingly increasingly by the day. Um, you know, tensions running high uh, between the, the United States and certain parts of the world right now. Are you, are you feeling any of that in terms of the kind of uh, folk, kind of pitches and opportunities uh, that you're that you're seeing in terms of um, particularly out of China type of investment that we're we're seeing there into the U.S. Or the reluctance, any hesitancy, um, or is it still kind of business is business and trade is trade? There is there is some concern about Scipio's um, the while that makes it so difficult to raise capital from. Um, certain countries. So I, I can't say uh, that that plays out um, in every every opportunity that comes up, but it is something on the back of the mind of investors and entrepreneurs, I think, to the extent that um, you have foreign investors coming into the United States. But um, I, I wouldn't say it's a primary concern for most companies, at least in the United States, uh, that are raising capital. Great. Um, again, joined by Brian Gormley with the Wall Street Journal um, Brian, we're going to go to a speed round here in a minute with some questions. Um, so bear with me here while I ask some of these questions. Um, 
number one on our speed round list. Let me just pull out the list here. One or two innovations from Brian Gormley's seat that will have the biggest impact in healthcare over the next decade. I think I would pick uh, gene editing and uh, gene, I would say gene editing and gene therapy that are being uh, deployed across a number of rare diseases, but I think increasingly that's going to be a future where even more common diseases are treated through gene editing. Um, genetic medicine in general, I think, is going to become a, a trend that's it, it's already here, but it's going to be increasingly um, prevalent in medicine over the next say, 10, 20 years. I'd uh, one founder, funder, or follower that you had the opportunity to spend time with that you find particularly impressive? Uh, I often meet with founders who have uh, dealt with uh, illness themselves and uh, have gone on to dedicate their careers to eradicating it. I, I met um, recently with a her name, uh, Caitlin Christine. She's the founder of a company called Gabby, and it's a startup that predicts uh, breast cancer risk. Um, for women, and they uh, sell a service to self-insured employers. So um, that that's uh, she has a fascinating story. The name of her company is uh, an obvious chew of her mother, and um, it's uh, not unique though. I, I I do find a number of entrepreneurs who have uh, dealt with illness, or uh, either personally or significantly in their families and friends, and um, started companies to try to relieve that burden. So it's. Uh, it's Always impressive and interesting to talk to them. That reminds me very much of Jeff Huber, who was uh, one of the original founders of Grail, a company out in California doing early cancer detection. His story was very personal. It led them there. So it's interesting you would share that. Um, Uh Put you on the spot. Worst interview ever. And of course, you don't have to uh, name the person. But uh, any any examples of, uh, of an interview that's gone really poorly and what was unique about it? Um, you know, m- most interviews go pretty well, I'd like to think, but you do <laughs> occasionally you run into someone who is, uh, especially self-important or, uh, condescending, uh, yeah, it happens occasionally, but, um, I-, I find, you know, most, most founders, uh, investors I meet with are incredibly, uh, engaging and uh, interesting to talk to and so it doesn't happen too often, but you know, it, it happens every once in a while. So, uh, it sounds like he punted on that one. Um, so Wall Street Journal, uh, we talked a little bit earlier about journalism. What sets the journal apart in your mind? Why you've stayed there 16 years? Commitment to accuracy, to fairness, uh, in depth of reporting. Standards are high. Everyone there is is committed to doing very Trump. So I think that's uh, that's a culture that's uh, kind of pervades the whole newsroom. People are willing to help each other out, collegial atmosphere, and um, it's just a great place to um, to be a journalist. And Boston always going to be home. Yes, I'd like I like to think that uh, this will always be my home. Yes. Uh, loaded question: Red Sox or Yankees? Red Sox. Come on now. Uh, um, top interests uh, outside when you're not writing. Uh, what is what? Do, what do you do in your downtime? Um, I, I like to go running, um, play music, yeah, uh, spend time with the family. That lot, pretty much takes up a lot. Lot to unpack there. What's uh, what's your yeah. instrument of choice? 
I play the guitar and, um, not very well, but it's, it's my, uh, it is my hobby. And, and, uh, and, uh, you've run the Boston marathon, I take it, or, or you're a runner at least. Yes, I, I am. I am a runner. I have, I have run the Boston marathon. It's been quite some time since I've run that far, but, uh, I, I had a, I have managed to cross the finish line a couple of times. Uh, um, so. Boston is a great town. I uh, really, really enjoy always visiting Boston. It's a great town. Um, Brian, last question. Uh, bullish or bearish on the remainder of 23? If you're uh, in the biotech space. I would say, uh, I would say bullish for the, for the, if you're going to consider the year as a whole, I wouldn't be surprised that we start to see things loosen up a little bit in terms of investment toward the end of the year. Um, this, this industry has a history of rebounding and I, I wouldn't, think with this cycle would be any different so if i have to uh if i had to pick one i would say both brian thank you so much joining us today has been brian gormley the venture capital and healthcare reporter with the wall street journal and dow jones newswires brian is a native bostonian as we heard and uh, brian want to thank you so much for coming before we let you go how do people get in touch with you is it uh what's your social media of choice can you kind of share a little bit of contact information so people can follow along who don't already? Sure. Uh, my email is brian.gormley uh, at wsj.com. Uh, LinkedIn is always good at uh, also to connect with me. So, Thank you for listening to Founders, Funders, and Followers, an Acumen Strategies podcast. Acumen is a PR and communications consultancy helping founders and early stage businesses advance their reputations and brands. Let's connect. Find me on LinkedIn or at www.acumen-strategies.com. Until next time, keep moving ahead and God bless.